Okay, Luke chapter 10 in your Bibles, everybody. Luke chapter number 10. Luke chapter 10 will be in verse 38 through 42 to start. See quite a few people, quite a few uh, different people here from uh, various events that took place uh, over this week. Um, we had two funerals, one here on the church property and one in North Haven. And um, good to see uh, several of the Olson family members present here today. It was um, a joy to get to know some of you a little bit better, celebrating the life of your mom. Um, Miss Betty, who's in heaven, no doubt smiling down on what's going on right here, right now. And then uh, Wednesday, uh, we had a, a funeral service for um, uh, Brother Josh's uncle, Uncle Tony. And uh, several folks were saved in that church, in that funeral service. And we're rejoicing over that, even some of uh, Tony's immediate family. And so praise the Lord for that. And it's always good to know that even in death, God can bring about new life. Amen. And uh, we're rejoicing in that. Luke chapter 10, uh, once you found that, if you would stand for the reading of God's word. <clears throat> we'll be reading from 38 down through 42. We'll read responsively as is our custom. Let's begin together in verse 38, then we'll read every other verse together. Beginning in 38. Ready? Here we go. Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about with much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. The title of the message this morning is this, Balancing Our Work and Our Worship. Balancing Our Work and Our Worship. That can be tough sometimes, can't it? Um, there are Marthas in the crowd today, and there are Marys in the crowd today. And if you're not quite sure what all that means, when we get done today, you'll have an idea, I think, which one you are and uh, how we need to work to get that in balance. Let's pray together this morning. Lord, we pray that you would guide us and help us to understand uh, the truths in your scripture. And Lord, I think about that time, Mary and Martha, where you, you were in their home and uh, Lord, the, the struggle there to keep things in balance uh, between the two. And Lord, how you uh, chided Martha gently and uh, praised Mary for her worship of you. And so, Lord, help us today as we look at these truths uh, to be driven to a place of balance. May we work for you, but Lord, may we also uh, be concerned with worshiping you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Our theme this year is a heart for God, and we've broken up that theme into two categories. We've talked, right now we're in a series uh, on Sunday mornings. This week is a one-week break from that series, but we're in a series where we're talking about my walk with God. Another way of saying my walk with God would be my worship of God. And we're also uh, looking at another concept with a heart for God, and that is my work for God. Some folks love to worship the Lord, and other people's, people love to Work for the Lord. Now, the Bible has a whole lot to say about maintaining proper 
balance, proper balance. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 1, the Bible says a false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. When I was a young man in Bible college on Sunday evenings, we would uh, take the teenagers and adults back from the church campus. There was a large church and we would take them back to Chicago. And uh, this was a place where as a young man learning how to preach, we would cut our teeth preaching. And uh, he would, uh, the, uh, the leader of that particular bus would, would call us up and have us preach to the teenagers and adults that were on the bus. And I remember that particular week, um, uh, this is a little bit unorthodox, but the uh, leader of our bus, uh, Brother Ross, he said, I'm going to catch a preacher boy unprepared. I'm going to call on someone after this next song to come up here and preach, and we're going to see if he's got a sermon burning in his heart. And immediately I thought, began to think to myself, there's 20 other preacher boys on this bus. I just know he's going to call on me first. You say, well, did you have a sermon ready? I did not. And so I started digging through the concordance of my Bible, looking for something to preach. And lo and behold, I came across the word balance, and I came to Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 1. A false balance is an abomination of the Lord. As soon as that song finished, he said, Richard Lejeune, you get right up here and you start preaching. And I read that verse and I said, how many of you here have ever thrown up? I said, that's what you are if you're out of balance with God. That went over like a lead balloon, amen? The point of that would be be prepared. You never know. But the Bible says here a false balance is an abomination to the Lord. Proverbs chapter 16 verse 11 says a just weight and balance are the Lord's. All the weights of the bag are his work. Uh, how about Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 23. Diverse weights are an abomination unto the Lord. And a false balance, a false balance is not good. God is teaching that we are to learn balance in our lives. Balance. What is it that we are to balance? Well, we're to balance worship. Worship. Worship is the realization that God is everything and I am nothing. I recommend you write that definition down. It's not original with me. I got that from somewhere else. But the realization that God is everything and I am nothing, nothing. Listen, if you were to draw a line on a piece of paper, a true line, a geometrical line with arrows on both ends, that line represents God. God is eternal. God has no beginning. God has no end. And here you and I are existing as a little tiny speck of a dot on that timeline. We are uh, finite in every way. God is infinite in every way. And anytime God so chooses, he can take his finger and flick that speck off of that timeline. God is everything and we are nothing and when you get to a place when your reverence of God your your speaking with God your fellowship with God where you come to an emotional realization that he is everything and that in the grand scheme of things you are nothing you have entered the realm of worship worship it is important for each of us to regularly worship the Lord but we are to balance worship with work, worship with work. Work uh, can be defined this way, exertion or effort directed to produce or accomplish something. The, uh, again, the um, uh, exertion or effort directed to produce 
or accomplish something. Uh, a labor is another uh, a way of saying that, or toil, to toil. And uh, while we need to worship the Lord, we also need to work for the Lord. What would this church be if everyone came and sat on the pews and worshiped God in their spirit and then went home and never did any work around the church? Our love and devotion for God should drive us to want to do work for Him. As we worship the Lord, it should push us to a place where we want to work for the Lord. Work for the Lord. Um, some of you here uh, this morning find it more natural to worship than you do to work. You find it more natural to worship than you do to work. Others of you here find it more natural to work than you do to worship. Now, if you had to ask me which category I fall in, I would fall in the Martha category. I would rather be getting it done. I'm a doer and, and out there in the forefront, getting it done and, and, and work, 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 work. And if I'm not careful, sometimes I forget to, to find myself at the feet of Jesus Worshiping the Lord. How many of you here would say that you're more worship oriented? Would you raise your hand? You're more worship oriented. How many of you here are more work oriented? All right. How many of you do not understand the question? Okay. Worship oriented. Some of you aren't sure which you are, right? Worship or work oriented. I believe that much of the Christian life is all about learning balance. When we learn to balance our work for God and our worship to God, then we will be well on our way to living a successful Christian life. So let's look at just a few thoughts here out of Luke chapter 10 and and a few other passages and see what the Bible is teaching us about our balancing our work and our Worship. All right, point number one of the message uh, this morning. Notice the sisters' personalities. The sisters' personalities. And we will see here that Mary and Martha, Martha and Mary, uh, they were slanted in opposite directions of each other when it came to their personalities. Letter A, notice Martha was task-oriented. Martha was task-oriented. Look with me at Luke chapter 10 and Look down at verse number 39. Verse number 39. The Bible says, But Martha was cumbered about with, about much serving. Martha, but Martha was cumbered about much serving. Uh, turn over to John chapter 12 and verse number 2. Hold your place in Luke 10 and turn over to John chapter number 12. Now, uh, you can divide most of the population up, if not all of the population up, into one of two categories. And listen, this applies whether you live here in the U.S. of A. or you live on the other side of the world. It does not matter your color or your culture. It does not matter uh, what your background is. Uh, everyone is born uh, into one of two categories. They're either task-oriented, or as we'll see with Mary in a moment, they can be people-oriented. You say, well, which one am I? Well, here's a question for you. Do you rake the leaves in your front lawn because you have to rake the leaves and it needs to get done or because you're concerned about what your neighbors think about you. You see, when we're concerned about what our neighbors think about us, then we're more people-oriented. And you say, well, how do I know that? Well, imagine you're outside raking leaves in your front yard and uh, your neighbor, new neighbor comes walking by 
and uh, stops and starts talking to you. If you are people oriented, you're going to go take, you're going to put the rake down and go inside and get a cup of coffee. If you're uh, task oriented, you're going to go in the garage and get a rake and give it to him and say, "Don't just stand there and talk. Help me." All right. Um, uh, Martha was more of the, "Let me go get a rake and you can help me rake my lawn," instead of just standing there and and talking to me. Look at John chapter 12 and verse number two. The Bible says there they made him a supper and Martha. Served Martha served, but Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Martha was task-oriented. Let her be noticed. Mary was people-oriented. Mary was people-oriented. Go back to Luke chapter 10 and look with me at verse number 39. Verse number 39. The Bible says, And she, speaking of Martha, had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet. And heard his word. So while Martha is busy in the kitchen preparing things, Mary is concerned about being with Jesus. She enjoys the human interaction, the the personal touches, the 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 the, the warmness that comes from a relationship of two people interacting with each other. And Mary was always desiring to be with people and around people. But understand, Mary wasn't just with anyone. Mary was with. Jesus. She was with who she perceived to be the Messiah, the Christ. And uh, Mary was uh, doing what Mary did best. Mary was being people-oriented at the feet of Jesus. Number one, we see the sisters' personalities. Number two, we see Martha's production. Martha's production. Look back with me at Luke chapter 10 and verse number 38. The Bible says, Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. Notice the emphasis on her, her house. It was probably Martha that introduced Jesus to the family. Uh, Martha was probably the one who was busy running around town and buying things at the market and happened to bump into Jesus. Um, uh, Martha was probably a doer, a get out there and get it done. And, and, and part of getting it done would have been in her busyness of schedule, would have bumped into Jesus and have met him. Martha was the one that worked hard to, to bring in the income and probably was the one whose name would have been on the title of the house. I admit there's some speculation on my part here, but you're getting the idea that Martha was productive. Martha was out uh, uh, there and getting it done. Now, oftentimes people who are productive, they look down on people, as we'll see in a moment, who are uh, more people-oriented and slower moving and, and not as concerned with high productivity. Martha was productive. Number three, we see Mary's posture. Mary's posture. Um, let me give you a couple of thoughts below this. Notice letter A. She sat at his feet and A listened to his word. Listen to his word. Look down at Luke chapter 10 and look at verse number 39. The Bible says, And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Heard his word. Uh, how important is that? Martha is busy in the kitchen preparing a dinner. Mary is at the feet of Jesus hanging on every word that would come out of his mouth. I think of, I think of uh, what Jesus said in Matthew 4 to Satan in that time of temptation. He said, man shall not live by bread alone, Martha. <laughs> You're in the kitchen making that bread. But by every 
word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Do you understand that uh, the Bible is the written word of God? Jesus is the living word of God. And when we have the Bible, we looked at this last week, did we not? We talked about having a heart for God's word, falling in love with the Bible. And we're looking at David this year, and we're talking about how David was in love with God, and he went on and on and on and had all kinds of descriptors for the Bible, and talking about how wonderful it was. Listen, uh, are you listening to the Word of God? Uh, are you curled up at the feet of Jesus, if you will, uh, in a humbled position, listening to what God has to say to you through His Word? If you are not finding time each day to uh, kneel at the feet of, uh, of Jesus through your Bible reading and spending time studying it and understanding it and learning from it and letting God commune to your heart, then you are not listening to His Word. We see Mary's posture. She sat at His feet and listened to His Word. Let her be. She sat at His feet and shared her woes and shared her woes. Turn over to John chapter number 11 with me. John chapter 11 and look at verse number 32, verse number 32. By the way, every time you find Mary, the sister of Martha in the Bible, you find her on her knees at the feet of Jesus. Every single time. You cannot find a passage in the New Testament uh, where Mary, the sister of Martha, is mentioned, where she is not on her knees at the feet of Jesus. Look at John chapter 11 and look at verse number 32. The Bible says, Then when Mary was come... Where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, can you see the tears in her eyes? Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. You see, Martha... Martha was at the, in the presence of Jesus just a couple of verses prior to this. And, and if you read through that, what you see is that Martha says almost the same thing that Mary says. But Martha, in her posture, was respectfully rebuking her Savior and her friend for not having come sooner. Mary, when she walked in the presence of Jesus, she fell down at his feet. And while she said the same thing, she communicated a different message. You see, Martha came with logic and reason. Mary came with a heart full of emotion and tenderness. What differentiated the two? What differentiated Martha from Mary? Well, the difference was Mary's posture. Martha, no doubt, was standing and and standing strong and expressing her opinion in a more of a cold way, Mary fell at her feet and began to weep. Fell at the feet of Jesus and began to weep. She sat at her feet and, 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 and shared her woes. Let her see, notice, she sat at his feet and poured out her worship. Poured out her worship. Turn over to John chapter 12 and verse number 3. John chapter 12 and verse number 3. The Bible says, Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair, 
and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Now, um, there have been some debate in Scripture about which Mary this was, and uh, there's a case to be made that it was Mary Magdalene, the one who Jesus had saved out of a wretched life, and uh, there's a strong case to be made that uh, I believe John 12, uh, that it was Mary, uh, the, the sister of Martha and Lazarus. And you say, well, well, which one was it? And it is my opinion that this happened twice, that uh, both Marys poured out uh, ointment on the feet of Jesus and anointed him. And, and I can't prove that, but uh, my study of the, of, of the uh, debate would lead me to believe that maybe both Marys had done that. And uh, what is she doing here? She's taking a very costly, a very costly ointment, something that would have been months and months, if not a year's worth of saving, and she's pouring this ointment out on the feet of Jesus with her tears. She's she she's wa- tears and hair. She's washing his feet, and and she's saying to him, Lord, you're you're worthy of my worship. You are worthy of my worship. You see, worship, true worship, should cost us something. It should cost us something. Um, How much does it cost you to come to church on Sunday mornings? Probably not a whole lot, right? How much does it cost you to um, open your Bible and read it four, five, six, seven times a week? Not a whole lot, right? You see, if we're going to worship the Lord, we should be pouring out our heart to God. We should be emotionally invested in loving our Savior. Loving our Savior. Martha, busy, being productive. Mary, we see her posture. We see, uh, uh, we saw uh, with Mary's posture that she listened to his word. She shared her woes. She poured out her worship. Let's notice number four, Martha's pressures. Martha's pressures. Can you picture the two ladies in the kitchen as Christ is making himself comfortable in the other room? Martha says to Mary, what should we cook for? Mary says, let's keep it simple. I I want to hear him teach. Martha says, you're crazy. We have the Christ in our home, and you want to keep it simple? No way, man. We're doing a four-course meal. I mean, entree, appetizer, entree, dessert. We're going to do, we're going all out. I mean, how often is it that you have the Messiah that's been talked about for generations, not only here on planet Earth with you, but inside your home? And you want to keep it simple. Mary, shame on you. Mary looks at Martha and says, well, you go ahead and cook your four-course dinner. I'm going to keep him company. I imagine Martha looking through the doorway and seeing her sister there. And in her opinion, sees Mary being lazy. Can you feel the tension building? Right? Mary's, you know, down, maybe sitting on her, sitting on her ankles and, and Jesus is teaching and And Mary's asking questions, and Martha's in there. I mean, she's got 
Potatoes boiling on the stove. She's got meat in the oven. Uh, she's got a salad she's trying to toss and, and, and rolls she's trying not to burn. And, and she's got, a, 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 she's got a, a pie she's trying to get ready to throw in the oven to bake. And, and she's got it all going on. And, and, and she's, she's needing help in the kitchen. And there Mary is sitting there. In Martha's opinion, being lazy. Maybe, maybe uh, Martha... Uh, spilled a drink or burned herself with a hot pan. And in a moment of frustration, she says to Jesus, look at verse number 40. Look at verse 40. Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she help me. How many of you ladies here have ever been working in the kitchen and your husband's in there watching TV? And you think, you get off his lazy backside and come in here and help me. I just burnt myself and... He's in there doing nothing. That's how Martha felt, right? Come on, Mary. Get in here and help me. I'm having a hard time, and I'm trying to make this dinner for the Savior. I'm trying to serve the Lord, and I'm feeling all this pressure. Can I tell you that 90% of the work done in a church is done by about 10 to 15% of the people? And sometimes... And I speak as part of that 10 to 15%. Sometimes the 10 to 15% look at those who aren't doing a whole lot. We begin to get frustrated. Why can't more people step up and do their part? Why can't more people get in here and help us serve the Lord? You know, uh, serving the Lord is a New Testament concept. You understand that? Romans chapter 12, right? We're to offer ourselves as... A sacrifice, a living sacrifice. We're to serve the Lord. In fact, David would say in the Old Testament, serve the Lord with gladness, with gladness. Come before His presence with thanksgiving. Know ye that the Lord, He is God, it is He that hath made us and not we ourselves. We're to enter into His presence with thanksgiving, enter into His course with praise, be thankful in Him and bless His name. For the Lord is good, His mercy is everlasting, His truth endureth to all generation. In that Psalm, Psalm 100, you get the idea of working for the Lord and worshiping the Lord. And God has called you and I to not just be busy uh, in our monastery of our home, opening the Bible and reading it and studying it. We're to get busy doing the work of the Lord. I have to say that I understand full well the pressure of, of Martha. I understand the frustration of Martha, that Martha was busy serving and did not have the help that she needed. And if you are here today and you're more people-oriented than you are task-oriented, I would just encourage you somewhere along the way to look at those who are busy serving the Lord and find your place where you can help Serve. Number five, we see Mary's perspective. Mary's perspective. It would seem to me that Mary was one of the few that knew Jesus would soon die and become the resurrection and life that Christ explained to Mary, or rather to Martha, in John chapter 11. You remember in John 11 when Martha came out to see Jesus. You remember when, when Jesus said to her, don't you believe in the resurrection? And she said, of course, of course, uh, Master, I know that one day Lazarus will live again in the resurrection. Remember when Jesus looked back at her and said, John 11, he said, I am 
the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. What was Jesus trying to tell Martha? Not that one day there's going to be a resurrection. Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. And, and, and Mary seemed to understand this. Now, I have um, a thought that maybe the reason why Martha missed who Jesus was and what he was going to do is because Martha was too busy running around and serving and not busy enough worshiping the Lord. You see, Mary gleaned these truths and understood intimately who Jesus was because she had been busy sitting at his feet worshiping him and asking him questions. Why was it that at that dinner in John 12 that Mary would take that expensive box of ointment and pour it on the feet of Jesus? She was preparing him for his death. It would seem to me, it would seem to me that Mary was one of the few people, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, would have known as well, but Mary was one of the few people that understood who Jesus was. And I'll say this to those of you here who are like me and you're more task-oriented, you very well may be missing out on some vital things that God wants to communicate with you because you don't slow down long enough in your day to hear the voice of God communicating through you through His Spirit. It could be that you're so busy running from A to B to C. And listen, sometimes our A to B to C is serving the Lord. Sometimes our A to B to C is loving our family. Sometimes our A to B to C is... Uh, being gainfully employed so that we can put a roof over our family's head. And then you, you go, 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 go Monday through Friday at work, and then there's Great Commission Saturday at the church, and you, you rush here to be involved in, in, in getting the gospel out to the community, and, and then you run home and you try to spend some time with your family, and then you wake up Sunday morning and get to church and maybe teach a class and help usher or work in the nursery or whatever it is that you have, and you're being productive and you're working and you're working and you're working, but you're not worshiping the Lord. You're not worshiping the Lord. And you're missing out on some things the Spirit of God wants to communicate to you and tell you. And you lack that perspective. Is your life out of balance this morning? Are you work-oriented and missing out on the worship, or are you worship-oriented and Missing out on the work. Number six, we see Christ's priority. Christ's priority. Who was right? Was Martha right that Mary should have been in the kitchen helping her prepare the meal for the Savior? Uh, are those who are work-oriented right that serving the Lord is, is, is uh, paramount and we must be busy serving the Lord? Or... Was Mary right to neglect her sister in the kitchen and request to keep it simple and serve the Lord? Well, we'll see that Jesus is going to choose sides right here. Jesus gently chided Martha. Look at Luke chapter 10 and verse number 41. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. There's that pressure. But one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. What was Christ saying here? 
He was saying, let your work lead you to worship. Don't worship your work. Don't worship your work. And you know what? That's what happens a lot of times. We get busy working and working and working. And we're doing good things. But we end up worshiping our work. Let's finish the message this morning of Revelation chapter number 2. Turn over to Revelation chapter number 2. What happens when we get busy working for the Lord is that we put our work up on a pedestal and our work becomes worship-worthy in our own mind. I've done this. I've done this. Look how productive I am. Look how many tasks I can check off my to-do list. Right? I keep a running to-do list on my Apple devices. Amen? Because Apple's better than than uh, Android. All right. Just had to get that back out there again. Okay? Um, I keep a running to-do list. And, uh, you know, sometimes I'll put make a to-do list on my to-do list just so that when I'm done making the to-do list, I've got something else to check off. Right? Um, I'm productive. I, I am more productive than I am a, a production uh, uh, rather uh, task-oriented than I am people-oriented. But what can end up happening is I begin to worship my own work. Worship my own work. God does not want us to worship our work. God wants us to worship Him. We do work for Him. Listen, you're going to your job tomorrow, and you may not be in church ministry. That's okay. You may not be in church ministry. You, you, may, uh, you may turn a wrench for a living. Uh, uh, you may uh, work on a computer for a living. I, whatever it is that you do, I'm, I'm not sure what it is that you do. But can I tell you this, that uh, that job that you have, God gave you that job. And He wants you to do it uh, for His honor and His glory. Whatever it is. You give it your all. You give it your best. But don't you dare worship your work. You make sure you worship the Lord. Look at Revelation chapter 2. We find a church that was worshiping their own work. Look at verse 1. Under the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou canst not bear them which are evil and Thou hast, look at all the actions here, tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne and hast patience, and for thy name's sake hast labored, hast labored, and hast not fainted. Look at verse 4. Nevertheless, I have something against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. What was Jesus Christ through the pen of John saying to the church at Ephesus? He was saying, when it comes to work, you've got it down perfect. I have no critique of your work. You've got it all down. You've got your uh, doctrinal I's dotted and doctrinal T's crossed. You've got church discipline down. Uh, You've got procedures down in every possible way, but I'm getting ready to blow the light 
of your candle out, the legitimacy of your church out, because in your work you have forgot to worship. You have forgot to worship. There's a lot of talk in the Christian world about burnout. Burnout. Can I just tell you, I think rust out is more of a problem than burnout. I think a lot of people sit around and don't do anything and they rust out. And that's the you folks that are worship oriented. You don't like to really do much around here, right? You're rusting out. But can I speak to those of you here that are work-oriented? Can I tell you why burnout does happen? Burnout is a thing. Because we're busy working for the Lord, but we're not busy walking with the Lord. The Bible has a lot to say about rest. Being sick the last few days, I've done some resting. I've done some sleeping. I've watched some football on TV. Um, I've, uh, I've gotten a lot of physical rest. But can I tell you that physical rest and spiritual rest are two totally different things. You can sleep and sleep and sleep all you want and still be spiritually empty. Unless you are, you are walking with God and worshiping Him through the Word and prayer then my friend, you're not getting the rest that you need. And you will eventually burn out trying to serve the Lord. Whether you are work-oriented like I am, or you are worship-oriented the way Mary was, my friend, whether you are a Martha or a Mary, it's important that we find the middle. We find the middle. We are busy worshiping the Lord, and in our worship of the Lord, uh, we're driven to work for the Lord. And We do it as a sacrifice to Him. Let's have our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning. Every head bowed, every eye closed. The Lord is worthy. He's worthy of us at at His feet. He's worthy of us worshiping Him. He's worthy of our living sacrifice. How many here today would say, Pastor Lejeune, in some form or another, some way or another, I can see that maybe my life is a little out of balance. And whether it's my work or my worship, I need to bring it into balance and I need to make sure that I'm busy doing both. Pastor Lejeune, here's my hand. Would you please pray for me? I know things are a little out of balance. I need to work on getting this in balance. I see those hands. My prayer for you, my friend, today is that you will indeed make real choices that will put your life, your spiritual life, in balance. How many here today would say, Pastor Lejeune, I am going through a real hard time in my life right now. Would you pray for me that God would help me through my struggles? Here's my hand. Would you pray for me that God would help me through my struggles? Keep them up for a moment. I want to make sure I see each hand. This week, I'm going to take my time and pray for each one of you that have your hand raised. God knows your struggle. He can either calm your storm or calm you as the storm rages on. I'm going to pray for you this week that God helps you through those struggles. In just a moment, we're going to have our invitation. And let me encourage you to come and bend a knee here at the altar. 
Sometimes it does us well to leave the pew, leave the chair where we're at. Sometimes it does us well to bend a knee and at the front and make a real, a life-altering decision that will help us. It, it, it can be humiliating a little bit, humbling, scary, but uh, it, is, it, is, it is called an altar because it is the place where we come and lay down bad habits and bad choices. We decide we're going to leave them there. Whether or not you come to the altar, my prayer is that today you'll make decisions for God that will lead to you having a life more in balance. If God has spoken to you about something else today, then please feel free to pray and and, and do business with God in that area. Lord, thank you today for your Bible, the Bible, your Word. It's so always so practical and applicable to our everyday living. Lord, help us, guide us. Spirit of God, you lead us into all truth and you show us where decisions need to be made that will help us to live our lives in a way that bring you honor and glory. Lord, if there's someone here today that's not yet put their faith and trust in you for salvation, may they do that today before it's eternally too late. In Jesus' name we pray.